Welcome to the Unashamed Podcast. Uh, Unashamed with Phil Robertson. We got Al, we got Jace today. Uh, got a really great episode uh, for you, talking a lot about the Tower of Babel, uh, the state of Indiana, how much we like it, and some of the people from there. Jace has got some interesting tales, as always. You know, when Jace goes on the road, he's always going to come back with a tale, and uh, he's got one today, which I think you'll like. Uh, we talked about uh, basically the origins of language. Uh, really interesting. Where did languages come from? Uh, and of course, uh, we have a biblical answer for that, but uh, a lot of people wonder. It's a lot of mystery. So uh, glad you tuned in today. Hope you enjoy it. Um, let us know what you think. So today uh, we're talking about Tack Pack, which is the uh, premier monthly subscription for military, tactical, and Second Amendment enthusiasts. Now we're pro military even though none of us had the opportunity to serve, although Cy did, we're, I'd say we're tactical. Just basically we live that way. And we're certainly second amendment enthusiasts. So this is something that, that we can get behind. Um, what they basically do is uh, for forty nine ninety five a month, they're going to ship you at least a hundred dollars worth of gear. Um, five eleven uh, mission, first tactical American grip, a lot of really great products. Um, they ship out AR-15 parts, which would be good for you, Dad. Yeah. Because you have at least – how many ARs do you have now? couple. couple. And they're usually handy, I noticed. One under my belt and one's about three feet from my hand right now. <coughs> <laughs> so uh, One under the bed, really? one under this table. And so your for, Bible. So you're, huh? you're well armed. My Bible in the middle. So, so we, basically, we want Bible study with people. We've got two people <laughs> visiting us today. They come all the way down here to be baptized. It's a great thing, a mm -hmm. wonderful thing. We meet them with a little food and Bibles. That's what we want to do. Right. But we live in a violent culture. There's no doubt about it. Some people under the auspices of I just want to talk to you might be in fact harm. They might he might want to harm me or my wife or y'all. So So we're into Bible, absolute truth. But if there's a problem, that's why the Second Amendment exists. So these that's folks right. uh, at, at Tack Pack, that's what they're going to send you. If you sign up before August 1st, uh, you can make the deadline for the next pack. And it says here that they sold out uh, in June and July. So you might want to jump on this. It, it looks like a pretty good deal to me. Uh, the, this pack features five items worth a combined value of $115, which is pretty good. You get a free knife, uh, which I took a good look at this one. I'll be using this one for sure. Uh, that's going to come with it. It's free. So if you're into tactical be uh, gear, um, then this is your group, TAC Pack. TACPack.com. Um, you get the August pack if you sign up. Use the code FIL. So you're the code. P-H-I-L. P-H-I-L. Um, that's what you want to do to be able to get this free free knife. So uh, sign up, TAC Pack. Sounds like great, guys. Uh, and we look forward to getting ours. We are religious people, Al, and just another point. And uh, worldwide, we are being persecuted and we are being murdered on yeah. a consistent basis. So I want people to understand uh, when they get gear for protection yeah. that it's, it's, it's just that. It's not paranoia. It's just preparedness. Be prepared. That's right. Because how many, how many yeah. things do you have to watch? Concerts, churches, people just exactly. come in. Well, at least we're prepared. Yeah, and you're right. There's not, and there's nothing wrong with being prepared. And this fact, gear, this gear here, <coughs> helps you be prepared. But you, know, you think about it. Anybody in any situation, at some point, whether you know, we're all pro Second Amendment, pro guns. But in any situation, for there to be justice and, and what's right in a bad situation, somebody has to show up armed. That's Whether correct. it's the military, a police officer, someone with good intentions has to come up. Okay. I like it in America that it can be me and you. Hopefully, we'll that, never have to get down to that. The, the very right, but but you don't have time if you're looking around saying, "If I only had something, I could stop this guy who's yeah, charged yeah. in amongst godly people and is shooting up the place." Well, well, you taught with us, us. We are there to be prepared. That, well, you taught us. That, we, were, we were this big. You taught us that boys. We're thirty minutes from town. There's no law enforcement anywhere around here. Well, if something right. goes down yeah, on this sure. property, and we're going to be the nine one one. But, but you think in prepared. our schools, that's what happened when they 
made it gun free well then when someone goes in with a gun with evil intention because it is ultimately about the heart I mean, duh. you're looking around we need somebody with a gun that's right there's no other way to combat that i don't know why people can't see that <laughs> so i think i think they should take a couple of teachers don't don't let anybody know who it is and they should be armed at minimum, all times minimum yeah at least two minimum especially in these places where they don't have you know gun friendly laws because yep. i mean they're you're you're just at the mercy of whatever happens we have a god-given right to protect our life that's right and it's a it's a it's a great idea the founding yep. fathers got that right yep so it's tackpack.com it's t-a-c-p-a-c-k tackpack.com check these guys out i am unashamed what about you All right, so Jace, what? So tell us what you've been up to. I got back from Indianapolis, Indiana. I was actually right outside it in a place called Greenwood. I loved it. It was it was a spectacular event. You know, sometimes you get uh, not depressed, or that's too strong a word, but when you start worrying about the country, you know, or you might get down and think it's heading the wrong direction, you go do something. The whole thing's going to hell. Yeah, I mean, you start getting negative if you watch the news. I know any nobody would do that around here. Yep. But you go to something like this, and here's what they do. Every year since 9-11, they have a community gathering, and they honor our veterans, our active military, our firemen, you know, in that area police officers, and first responders. That's the ones that are being bad-mouthed the most by most people. Yeah. And so, I mean, they have a concert. It's a festival. There's people everywhere, and they have a speaker that night. They asked me to do it, which what I found interesting. Was it country and western yeah. singers or rappers? You know what? It was neither. Uh, it was just neither, neither of those two. <laughs> I thought the music was actually pretty good. It was kind of... There was some Christian bands and there was some kind like of classic patriotic. rock. Yeah, classic rock. Those were the two genres that I heard. But I thought it was well done. Yeah, it was very patriotic. Uh, you know, national anthem. Look, there was a guy who sang the national anthem and I thought it was an African American woman because I thought, no, this woman can sing. And I looked out there and it was just a little mousy white guy. And uh, yeah, it was incredible. With a voice oh. like that. Yes, it, it was. It was incredible. So anyway, they uh, they told me they were like, "Look, this community gathering, you know, let's let's don't really talk about the Bible because we we know you're preaching at one of the churches tomorrow, and you can you can do that there." And so I kind of looked at them, said, "Yeah, okay." Uh, <laughs> so of course I got up there and I thanked all those five groups, and I was like, "You're the backbone of America." And I did this analogy that, you know, these people, the military and police officers, they don't go in and try to save lives or go into a burning house based on who's in there. They don't check their belief system, their creed, their their politics. They, they go in there because, one, they're doing their job, but they love what they do, and they love our country, and that's what makes our country great. And so uh, I use that as analogy, and I quoted first corinthians 13 the definition of love but if people weren't believers they didn't know that was in the bible so you know they would say boy that's beautiful so you pulled a fill you just quoted i quoted all the scriptures no without, book chapter verse you yeah just... no book chapter and verse <laughs> and then it got to the end and i thought you know what am i doing here i'm on a podcast that is unashamed of my faith so i just said look if i put my life on the line every day for other people, this would interest me, what I'm fixed to tell you. And I want to tell you that I'm not ashamed that I believe this. And, I, of course, I introduced Jesus. And especially when I got to the resurrection, I thought, you know, if I risk my life every day, I would look into this. Of course, after it was over, you know, the community leaders, I thought, here we go. What are they going to say? And they were like, that was fantastic. So I thought, well, we whooped them again. <laughs> <laughs> so the next day I spoke at one of the churches there. Had about, the place looked like it would hold about 2,000. 
and I had two pretty much full crowds. You do it, you know, and then they leave and you get another. So that was crew. an event where they say, hold off on the sermons, and you went ahead and preached the sermon. <laughs> I preached the sermon, yeah, yeah, then, but I basically did it like this is what I believe, and right. we share something in common. We love all people because they're, while they're saving people physically, I was like, Jesus saves people entirely. And so it's the same thing. And, uh, yeah, because so, even if you, even if you get the guy, the family, whatever, out of the burning house, which is fantastic, and yeah. and you applaud it. At the same time, they still got to face the ultimate demise yep. somewhere else down the road. You know. But you know, when I said I'm not ashamed to oh, let's see, how did I say that exactly? I said I'm not ashamed that I love Jesus and that I I follow Him. He's my Lord. They all clapped the crowd. I mean, there was thousands of people. This was an outside deal. I mean, as far as you could see, they all clapped, which was the first time they clapped, you know. Well, we talk about regions of the country. You know, I mean, Indiana, I mean, two, two of the best people I've ever met were from Indiana. One is the vice president, Mike Pence. You're talking about a quality Well, he had man. spoken at this three times through really? the years. Yeah. Well, because it's Indiana. Right, he was, he was the governor. Yeah, so – that's when I knew it was going to be a pretty good event because I just looked at the past speakers. Of course, the fact that they were asking me seemed. Did you, Did y'all meet Sammy? Remember Sammy Davis? The he won the uh, what's the one that the Congressional Medal of Honor from Vietnam? He was the the real Forrest Gump. You know the movie Forrest Gump. Tom Hanks. There's a segment in there where he's like a. He gets shot in the buttocks. Oh, that was based on that was based the real guy is a, a guy named uh, Sammy Davis, and he's from Indiana. And we met him at an event, but you must not have – it must have been Will It was at the event, but first time we ever met him, well, he's got some connection to West Monroe. He's been down here two or three times, and so we've met him. He was on our cruise that we did too. But anyway, he's just – you're talking about a quality – person he's so from keep, indiana he's from indiana I did, I, some of the best people i know from indiana <clears throat> oh look I, I i told him as i went along as i spoke you know i mean at first i was liking indiana but by the time i left i was loving indiana yeah i mean i, I could live there they're great people well just imagine the difference between indiana and say <laughs> portland oregon <laughs> i mean yeah. you know what I'm saying? i mean well, i know well, there's some good people in portland Stu Weber, a good friend of mine lives right outside but man you know, some of the stuff I've been watching going on, on the, there, that, on they'll the, just beat the Toronto. Yeah, on the home front, uh, about, uh, let's see, 10, 10, 11 maybe, uh, we baptized uh, people who uh, who were, before they were, uh, they gave their life to Jesus, prostitutes this week, one prostitute that's what she was doing for a living uh one homeless guy somebody just ran up on him when he's walking down the road pulled over and asked him do you need a ride that's where it started so uh they're getting him a job right now that was one one little young buck was uh in the rehab one of the local rehabs so he made it out over there you know we baptized him over at the university, and then we went to Owens on Wednesday night, baptized some there. So Owens had a horse trough set up out there in the parking lot, which was people were driving by. Even in Louisiana, they were looking, you know, pretty good. <laughs> well, you but, know, that's, uh, on the home front, there was 10 or 12 gave their life to Jesus here this week. So it's been a good week. It's an interesting insight into sort of what we do. Jay's described it, and all of us do this. You know, we may be some place where we're talking about our faith, preaching the gospel to thousands of people in some state or city, but then it just goes on here day to day too, like you said. And I, we're always amazed that people will come here, and again, the show, everything about the family, and just basically turn themselves into Christ. And they're yeah. like, "We saw something in y'all. We want you to guide us to what you know," which is pretty amazing when you. By think the way, it. some guy who had been watching the podcast. He showed up. <clears throat> he had one of these uh, oxygen things you carry with you, you know, yeah. with the little tubes in the nose. Yep. So, and uh, but he told me he'd been watching. He said, "You know, I've come over here." He said, "I think uh, 
I want you to baptize me today, Mr. Robertson. I've been watching you on uh, Unashamed, hmm. Blaze TV. I said, we'll do that. I said, keep your ears open. I said, I'm fixed to give a lesson on the resurrection of the dead. And I said, you carrying the oxygen tank, and I'm 73, and they've given us, you and I, about 77 on the average. I said, so we're running out of time, dude, so we better make sure we get this right, probably today. So I'm glad you came. But anyway, so we got up back up there where the, the baptistry was in the back, and I said, how long can you get off that oxygen I said, we don't want to carry the apparatus. It'll show it out down in here. What do you think? <laughs> he said, I, he said, I'll take my chances. I'll just leave it here, and I'll get it after this is over. I said, hey, go for it. So I had the Marine, a Marine with me. He's my bodyguard. I had him there, you know, so he took care of the oxygen apparatus. We have taken people in wheelchairs that no one would baptize them because they, they said, well, you can't get out of baptize. You can't get out of the wheelchair, so. You know, just just trust in the Lord and it'll be all right. Some guy come down there, he was about, I say he was crowding 90. He said, he said, Mr. Phil? I said, yep. He had the nurses, the caretakers were with him, you know, and I walked down there and he was sitting in, in the rig in the car in a van. Yeah. And I, he said, no one will baptize me. I said, you have come to the right place. I said, we're going to baptize you, the wheelchair, chair, what you're sitting in, and everything else that's on you. I said, come on. So we went, and he said, well, praise God, somebody finally said they'd do it. I said, you come to the right place, my man. So we got about two men on both sides of the wheelchair, rolled it down the boat dock over there. I said, trust me when I tell you, we're not going to let this wheelchair go, but you're going down, so's the wheelchair. But trust me, we'll it'll be momentary, and we will come out of there with you. I said, don't do not worry. So we we baptize he sitting in the Him, wheelchair, the wheelchair, the wondering, wheelchair, and all. I'm wondering why I'm hearing Larry the Cable Guy's voice saying, "Get her done." <laughs> <laughs> well, there's been a lot of times that we had a <clears throat> there was a young man that came and he came to one of the Make a Wish deals we do. And but I I didn't even know he was with him because he's usually children you know kids with terminal illnesses um, and um, but this this guy was in his probably late twenties so I didn't know he was a part of the deal I mean I knew he was in a wheelchair but I thought he was just somebody's you know kin and so this girl that was with him she comes over to me and she says is Mister Phil going to be here today and you were traveling you weren't there that day and I said no he's not going to be able to make it today. And I could tell she was disappointed. She said, well, you know, Wes wanted to talk to him, uh, you know, just about spiritual things. I said, well, would he talk to me? And so she asked him, and he said, well, yeah, he'll talk to you. So I said, well, look, when this is over, let's get – so we sat down, talked. He told me a story. Basically, like most people, his lifestyle had led him to a point where it just destroyed his body, and he had something else wrong with it. He was already missing a leg and couldn't use one of his arms. And so I share the gospel with him, and uh, I said, you know, what, what do you want to do? And he said, well, I'd love it if you'd baptize me before I head back to Pennsylvania. He said, I don't know how much time I have left. I said, well, let's do it. So we had to get four guys, same deal. We had to lift him up out of the chair. So four of us went in the baptistry. And it yep. reminded me of that story where the four guys let the guy down you yep. know, to in front of Jesus. So we baptized him, and uh, I told him, I said, look, I don't know, Wes, how much time you got left. Because you may, you know, God may bless you with some extra time now because now that you know about him. So the main thing you got to do is when you get back, because I already knew an aunt had sent us a note, see, ahead of time and said, no, he's coming to see you guys. I didn't know about this till after. Mm -hmm. And um, he didn't have any relationships, destroyed every single one of them, his parents, his mom, his kid. So he gets back up there. He mended all fences. And about two two weeks later, he passed away. And, you know, it's just one of those the last second. But he, but he came all the way from Pennsylvania to talk to you and yep. wound up talking to me. Yep. You know, I mean, it's just amazing, you know, how yeah. God works. If anybody in the audience is, well, why, y'all, why would y'all do that? You know, why do y'all think Jesus is the one that said, go make disciples and baptize them? Well, that's what we do. Good enough. That's you know, what I, we do. I have to say, this was, uh, you know, these guys, I go to these big churches, and y'all do too, but they let you speak, which makes them a little nervous. To me, I feel like the only people that are nervous in the crowd are the leaders of the church because they're basically <laughs> handing over the reins to somebody who looks like me and you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're nervous. They're not near as nervous to turn it over to me. Right. I just, I'm just saying. So after the first, uh, my first speech, you know, because we had them coming in, 
the lead pastor, he come back there and I said, well, I said, did you get over your nerves, you know? And he said, you know, I was nervous. <laughs> he said, but I thought it was fantastic. <laughs> and, uh, but, but he brought up baptism. He said, as much as I loved how you introduced Jesus, because that's basically what I did. And he said, and, and really, you know, we're, we're focused on grace. He said, I thought that was the most interesting way to explain baptism I've ever heard. I've never had a preacher say that. I said, well, what do you think? And he's like, oh, I'm all for it. <laughs> so what's funny was the, after the second time when he got up, he said that. He said, uh, you know, Brother Jace has introduced, you know, Jesus to you. And he he basically were trying to get him to confess him as Lord. And he's like, hey, and if you want to be baptized, we'll make that happen. You know, <laughs> I thought I thought it was Pretty good. Well, once he elevated you to brother too, yeah, then, then I you were okay. I'm a brother, yeah. I'm in. <laughs> That's when you get that introduction. Uh, well, we've been uh, we've been talking about Genesis, um, and we actually you brought up baptism. We we talked about last time how this idea of the flood because we're in Genesis um, six through ten here. Um, we talked about water. Mirrored that, yeah, yeah. and, and well, that Peter did that in First Peter, right, three. right, right, right. Yeah. And the idea that water. Um, is something we can't live under, um, and yet we can't live without either. So it's really interesting that God would use that as his way of this submissive act of basically saying we're all in. So uh, we we got through the flood. We basically got the ark back on dry ground last time. We talked about that uh, basically things changed post-flood, and we got into a lot of different reasons why. And so you know God makes a covenant with Noah that really is still in effect until today, you know, that it changed our relationship with animals. Um, he said, basically he wasn't going to scourge the earth again for the sin of man. Um, you know, like he did in that situation. And, and to this point he has it. It's a lot of, we talked about weather and we talked about all the different ways that we have these end time judgments. I don't know if we talked about the <laughs> rainbow or not last time, no. but that's an interesting, you know, a rainbow is basically water, you know, it has to rain and you get that water through the prism. And we know this event was a huge event because they hadn't had a rain ever up until humanity hadn't until this time. So they'd never seen a rainbow. So when there's rainbow, they see it for the first time. It's like God says, this is a, this is a symbol for you as you look at it as a reminder uh, of my grace. And it's kind of interesting that, the rainbow now, especially here recently, as we're doing this podcast, so this was a gay pride month, that the rainbow in our culture has taken on a whole nother symbol, you know, for this idea. So, you know, I, I don't know. It's just kind of interesting to me, uh, but it is a reminder that it, it's a symbol of grace. And so I, I think for me personally, you can spend your time being angry all the time about cultural issues. Or you can spend your time saying, it reminds me we need to reach people, you know, yeah. with the good news. So that's kind of how I saw the the idea of that. Um, so we get to this idea in uh, Genesis 11. Genesis 10, it just kind of <clears throat> basically lays out the generations because we've taken all of humanity and we've gotten it down to one family again. You got Adam, I mean Adam, you have Noah, his wife, three sons, three daughter-in-laws, Um and so now we're repopulating the earth. And so that's what Genesis 10 does is it basically kind of gives these offshoots of what happens. And then we run into a really interesting uh, story. In, I love this story. In Genesis 11. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait for us to talk about it. Uh, of course, the Tower of Babel um, is, is the story. And let me just read a couple of verses and then we'll just kind of unpackage it and we'll get you guys get your thoughts on it. Um, Genesis 11 says, The whole world... And remember, not a lot of people in the world at this point. This is post-flood. The whole world had one language and a common speech. As men moved eastward, they found a, a plain in Shinar, which would be Babylonia now, and they settled there. So, you know, you just got this crew, and they're, they're growing. They're repopulating the earth, but it's not that many of them uh, at this point. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks, bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens 
so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. And by the way, I didn't mention this, but when God sent Noah out from the ark, he told them to go and populate the whole earth. Yeah, he, in, Gen, in Genesis 9, right. he said, go and scatter. Two chapters later, they said, we're sitting right here. <laughs> we're, we're, we're planting roots. Um, so then the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the men were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. I think that's quite a statement. It's a huge it statement. It tells you the power of unity, whether you're a believer or not. Right. Right there. I mean, when people come together. So you just think about it. To me, this explains a lot of things that happen in life where people are successful without really putting their faith and trust in God. I mean, I think this is a human uh, key that he, he revealed. When people come together, I, I think because I'm a big sports fan, you look at teams that have basically the same talent, you know, across mm-hmm. the board. You say, well, what separates them? It's, it's those ones that come together, and they talk about gelling. And I kind of used this philosophy when I was coaching Little League Baseball because I thought that if you can limit the distractions, of course, in Little League Baseball, you but first of all, you got to have a meeting with the parents. and But you're basically trying to get people to buy in to something in any kind of sporting deal and then come together. And then when they do, when it says nothing's impossible, I mean, you see some amazing things Mm -hmm. from humans that unite in any front. The current current crop of humanity on planet Earth, they have a word for it from my vantage. They call it globalism. Mm -hmm. They like the idea of globalism. You see what I'm saying? Right. It's an ism. But uh, yeah, and it seems to always draw back to that, doesn't it? Yep. The idea that there's a big push. We could all come together. There's still the tire of Babel is still around. You see what I'm saying? Right. That kind and of mindset. I, I think as Christians we underestimate groups of people that get together. You know, for a common purpose. Because no we doubt tend about it. we tend to think, well, since they don't have God on their side, they can't win. But People who come together for any reason mm-hmm. and they're speaking the same language and they unify, they become a powerful force. That is correct. And I think this is a this is a verse that basically states that. I think the internet and all this high tech gadgetry, I think we we are have the same mindset as these people in Genesis eleven. It's the well, same mindset. We'll all come together here right. and it's gonna be a global community. And if you just step back and look at it, there's a lot of graft, corruption. Yeah. I mean, it is it is pathetic. If you just look at it, you're That's like, right. hmm, maybe we're maybe we do better if we are scattered. We have wars with one another all the time. That's not good. But 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 getting everyone under one head with a smaller group of individuals that run it all, Al, it never works out real well. No, and and you think about strictly from a humanistic standpoint, this is why this story is not very popular. (laughs) Because the idea, Jason's right, the idea is if you're looking at it from a humanist standpoint, forget God, forget any of that. Just as humans, it's like, wait a minute. You're trying to tell me that the creator of the universe held us back? Like, you know, we, we were we were going to accomplish this, and you're saying he comes in and says, no, no, no. See, that, that, that rubs raw on this idea that humans are the top. I think the yeah. crux of the matter is Babel, which means confusion, because there in this Genesis 11, it, at least it's mentioned in the Bible of all things, the Lord confused the language of the whole world from there, right there, right here in this place, the ancestors of oh oh Shem, what's what's Ham what's Ham and, and Japheth. Shem, Ham and Japheth, they, have, they get off the boat and here they go, and you get the by the way, you can get their genealogy. That's in uh, Genesis uh Genesis. Five, the last statement in Genesis 5 says, and uh, who, Noah, Noah was 500 years old. He became the father of Shem, Ham, and Zapheth. And it goes, his lineage 
is traced back all the way to Seth, who came from Adam and Eve. That's Genesis 5. So all that's documented. If you want to know how long it was between Genesis 5 and Genesis uh, 11, where we're, where we're at Babel here, you can just add up those numbers. You can have a pretty good idea, mm-hmm. you know. Right. You know, but, and the bottom line is you say, from there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. I've always wondered, Al, how exactly he went about doing that because all of these, there's 7,000 dialects roughly. Well, he confused their language. Yeah, across the world there's 7,000. Well, the people who study this, the ungodly, the atheists, they're looking at it like this is a bone to be chewed. This is a kind of simplistic statements. I keep looking at it saying, how in the world did Noah, I mean, uh, how in the world did Moses, who wrote this, who wrote this he's, he's going back in time at least 1,500 years all right, right at it. when he was. I'm you sorry. say, how in the world did he know about this confusion of the language? Where, where did he get the information to, to even write about it? That's right. It's pretty, pretty amazing. Well, you're right, and because I did a little bit of research, so I looked up some different websites because I thought, what do what do people say now? We're just like, in other words, if you didn't believe the Bible and you didn't believe that <laughs> that God is the one who said, "Here's where languages came from." I, all I did was look at the World Book Encyclopedia. That oh. get, they got their point, and all they said was, uh, "That's it's a very complex subject." I'm so, like, which yeah. means what? <laughs> I don't know what in the heck I'm talking about. <laughs> exactly. All right, so here's one. Scientific, I don't know what. what are I've all done these? the same Scientific, research. Scientificamerica.com. Why is it that humans speak so many languages? Good question. And why are they so unevenly spread across the planet? Here's the answer. As it turns out, we have few clear answers to these fundamental questions about how humanity communicates. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but somehow 11. some guy named Moses knew about this that long ago and kind of expounds and they said well god did it by the way someone has suggested uh owens i talked to owens he's a great researcher biblical researcher i said owens all these languages what about it he said hard to get a fix on it he said but there's a lot of them and i i said how did he scatter these people from one place i mean with nomadic i mean going across crossing you know the the, the plates probably were different then. There might have been you could have come across from Russia through Alaska, maybe, you know, the Bering Strait there. Someone said that when that was hooked together, nomadic well, somehow they got could, here. could have come. Right. And Owen well, at some thinks, point they started building boats. It was, it's, it's a bad, you'd have had to have a good one. I mean, because <laughs> they were thinking the thing was riding on the back of a turtle the entire earth for a long time. Yeah. This is way before all that. Well, so I don't know, Jay. just thought it was flat. Yeah. You know? Yeah, flat. It's just a big waterfall. You fall off the edge of it. Yeah. So uh, the bottom line is, but you say, but they were scattered. Owens thinks that. If he transported some of the guys in the New Testament, meaning he could just transport people from one location. So he was he thought he was being teleported. Teleported. Well, I mean, I think he gets, he said it's he, possible. He, he gets that from you know when they when they when Columbus came over here when the Indians were here. So I mean, they might have already been here, or. You, you see, I mean, I think that doesn't bother me to read the Bible and think, well, you know, where was everyone at? Where, you know, because that is interesting that he doesn't give the here, details. Where they come from is my point. He doesn't give the details. He just said he confused the language of the whole world. We know that's a fact because we're looking at it. Oh, right? well, you There's 7,000 dialects. And it's incredible. When you go to a different country and you start actually looking at, the way people are enunciating. I mean, it's incredible. Oh, like, I know it. How in the world could anyone understand that? That's you right. know, when I was in Russia, I was like, how could you understand that? I can't learn this. Right. I mean, I'm like, knit, which means <laughs> yeah. no. That's all I need. Yeah. I either bathroom. nod, yes, or knit. I want the one for yeah. bathroom. That's one I always figure out whatever language is in bathroom so I can get, you know, that's one you want to know. Moses put a simple statement from there at, at Babel there. The Lord scattered him over the face of the whole earth. That tells you who scattered him. Right. At least we have, when the people research this, say, well, there's no God. Well, this says, well, that, that one you say that doesn't exist, 
He's the one that gave them the language, confused their language, and scattered them over the whole earth. We remember. So out of all the places but, you could find that information about the 7,000 different dialects, you say, yeah, I read in the Bible. It said that God scattered them over there. They say, oh, yeah, there's no God, so he couldn't have done it. <laughs> but what makes it more powerful is that you're saying, well, how did Moses know that? What I'm saying is then in, in Acts, here we are a couple thousand years later, Yeah, the very miracle that God chose to performed through Jesus's followers before Peter introduced Jesus to the world was to give them a, the ability to speak one language and all the different nations hear the same language, their language from one voice. It's a pertinent point. Acts chapter two, read that. Yeah, they spoke yeah. another language. There were people from all over the world, the Jews, and here these apostles, they just been told you're going to start right here. You're going to be my witnesses beginning in Jerusalem, where you are now, mm -hmm. Judea, Samaria, and then he says this, to the ends of the earth. Well, all of a sudden, a few days later, the Holy Spirit comes upon them. They begin to speak in all these other languages, and the people from all over the world are saying, how in the world? These guys are Galileans. How is it we hear them speaking in our language? How'd they know our language? Right. Well, God just speeded up the whole process so that you didn't have With to go to language. a three-year study to learn mm -hmm. all the different dialects. He just gave them the ability. I think maybe, uh, Jace, you come up with a good point right there. Cause it, uh, I think the whole reason he scattered the people in Genesis 11 was to bring them together through Jesus in Acts chapter 2. I think that was it's the a great original point. plan. But it also showed that he wanted you to scatter, which then gets into modern day. He doesn't want you to set up a camp on the side of the road so like all we you, do in a church building. Yeah. He wants you to scatter, share Jesus, bring the world together through Jesus. But that, that's why we have missionaries. Jace, I, I, I'll tell the audience, I, I said, you know what? I didn't I didn't realize that until I just heard it right then. Said, Did y'all go over all this material so you, you, you'd know that you wouldn't <laughs> learn something? Else? Jace, that's a pretty interesting point you, you come up with there. I think you're onto something there, dude. Well, well I think so, and that's why when he discusses baptism in Galatians 3, when he says, you're all sons of God through faith for all of you who are baptized have been clothed with Christ. Yep. But then he gets into there's no nationality. There's no Jew or Greek, male or that's female. Right. No. So he actually, if you go all the way back to Genesis 11, where he said, scatter, fill the earth. They said, no, we're going to sit right here. And he did give you an insight into humanity. They they would actually pull off something spectacular. Which you think about what humans have done with the pyramids mm -hmm. and all. To me, this this sheds some light on that. When you come together as humans, you can do incredible things. We're still trying to figure out how they built the pyramids. And by the way, when the church was going to camp out, you mentioned it last week, the last time, when the church decided it was going to camp out there and not move out, a big persecution broke out That's and right. said it, it scattered them in every That's direction. Right. It's a dispersed because they remember the last thing Jesus said. That's one of the things <clears> of <throat> meeting in church buildings because once people start meeting in these church buildings, you can't get them out of them. Well, you remember Jesus' last words to the disciples before he left? He said, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. What he yep. was saying was, this has to go out. So what did they do? They built their little camp right there in Jerusalem. That They're is in the true. temple courts. We're right here. That is and true. then in Acts chapter 8, he said, no, you didn't hear me. I said out. So what he did was a huge persecution breaks out under the hands of guess who? Paul, who yep. was Saul at the time. Yep. So that's how he got the church out. Well, Jace brought, brought it up a while ago. He said, where are you being, Jace? He said, well, I just got back from Indiana. That's well, right. that's kind of the picture that the New Testament, by the time you get there, it says, look, don't go to some structure and stay camped out there. Right. Think that's all it is to worship. You need to go. Romans 12 said, offer yeah. yourself as a living sacrifice. Go out because the masses are not going to come inside these structures. Oh, that's you, right. you have when to go to them. Me don't, this is another way, by the way. they told me don't share Jesus with the community crowd, wait till you go to the church the next day. My response was, I was thinking the opposite. Of course. <laughs> I mean, I was thinking the exact opposite yeah. of what you just said. You got to be over there in the church building to preach with a microphone, standing up above them. You know, by well, the way, compartmentalize. Well, <laughs> I'm doing my lessons now. I'm not standing in front of them. Like most guys got a pulpit, you know, with, a, with a, some kind of podium. 
I thought, you know well, you what? You do need a place to put your stuff, though. I, I do have that. I just <laughs> said, set me up a little table up there like this table we're seated at. See this table? And I got my yeah. Bible there. And the reason I did that, I said, I don't want the people thinking I'm talking down to them. Yeah. I'd rather be so. No, I like that. I, I, I said, yeah. I'd rather be level with them. Which is how Jesus did most of his teaching. Well, my opening line yesterday at the, at the uh, when, when I was gathered with the church, my opening line was, I have an announcement. And of course, everybody's looking, you know, I said, don't listen to everything that your preacher says. Of course, they're all looking around with the preacher. You know, he turned red. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And and the reason I said that was, I said, because God uses flawed people to make known the glorious message of his son. I was like, we all make mistakes. At some point, you've got to go find this out for yourself. You've got to go look at who Jesus is and and make that transition. He's not going to do it for you. He can't do the work for you. So I think I made him nervous, but then he's like, you know, I appreciate you saying that because you tend to think, well, we go to church and the preacher does all the work and we're, we're just sitting back, you know, then you leave and go do whatever the heck you want to do. That's why that podium and the, and the, and the space right behind it sort of tends to be in some people's minds, hallowed ground, but it's really not. No, it's not. I love it. The, at the, you know, where we meet, they, uh, I think Mac Owen, Put, put on that podium which it's yeah. facing the speaker so yeah. no one knows it's there except mm-hmm. the speaker and it says it's not about you it's yeah. not about yeah. me that's what it says yeah. it's not about me because you personalize and he did it for me he i was preaching at the yeah, time. it was awesome it was that's a great a, the first time i saw it is when i got up and spoke i looked and i thought okay that's it kind of makes <laughs> good, you relax. good point yeah. i want to say this in genesis 11 and 4 i think the problem that we haven't zeroed in on is they said then they said, come let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens. It wasn't about the heavens. It was about this, so that we may make a name for ourselves. Well, when you think about the definition of sin, according to, where's that at? James 3.16, I think, for where you have envy and selfish ambition. Mm-hmm. Yep. There you find disorder in every evil practice. The whole problem was they wanted to make a name for themselves, not the creator who had given them life. To me, that's the same problem with church buildings. You think of all the different denominations. The first thing people who are not believers say is, well, how how come y'all can't get along? There's thousands of different churches. And sometimes they seem like they don't really even like each other. Yeah, I know it. (laughs) And the idea of like visiting around like, you know, Missy and I, we've been visiting around to the community because everybody supported our family during the show. So I've been visiting all different churches. It's been a wonderful experience. And because uh, I'm like, why don't we focus on what we agree on, which pretty much everyone agrees on that God is our Father, Jesus is Lord, and what he did, and the Holy Spirit. And But so the stuff we disagree on, they're so small. But this verse made me realize why we do what we do. People want to make a name for themselves. And they'll even attach a different a, a type of denomination and try to make a name for that denomination, but they're still missing the point. They're not trying to make a name for who God is and what he did. It, it's still somehow, even in the religious world, somehow about them. Yep. You know, I always get bothered when I go to a church somewhere and they start telling me, how they're making a name for themselves. Cause I'm like, well, when are we going to get around for making a name for Jesus <laughs> You know, out there? Yeah. I'm not worried about how big your structure is and you know, how many people's rolling through here. If, if I want to know, are we reaching people for Jesus in the world? Are we right. scattered abroad? Cause I think that's why we're here. Yeah. This is a, it's a great point. And that's exactly why he brought it back together. As we said, you're right. It's selfish pride was the first of it. And the second was just basically disobeying God. Um, they didn't want to go and populate the earth. <clears throat> it's pretty evident why they wanted a tall structure is so that everybody would always see it and not, you never would move away from the structure. Of course, you talk about all the time, Dad, with what the founders of our country said. They said, look, if you ever get these big cities with the skyscrapers and pile it on top of each other, 
If you don't use the land that oh, we have yeah. here, you're going to have a problem. They Guess warned, what? They warned us repeatedly, repeatedly. By the way, 4th of July coming up, and uh, uh, they asked me what I speak up here uh, on the Founding Fathers. It is interesting that, uh, like the Founding Fathers of all, the biblical fathers, you know, uh, you say, well, if they made a mistake, yeah, I saw where he made a mistake, so I'm not listening to him. In other words, if the founders made mistakes, then they're not worth listening to. But all humans have made mistakes. Like, yeah, like, we, the first like gosh, everyone has not made a mistake. Yeah, I read about them, you know, and I saw where they messed up, so I'm not going to follow that teaching. It's nonsense. Well, it's, um, it's, it, it's a great study to understand humanity, and it's amazing that we've talked about now just today thousands of years of human tradition back to the church to today, and it's still that same problem. Well, at least we, wrap, we wrap yourself. this little thing up. All I can say is someone said, well, you know, where'd all the languages come from? There a lot of confusion trying to figure out the confused languages. Uh, my, my answer would be, Al, God made them. God, God, I think God it's one the of language. the stronger evidences it that is. there is God. I love hey. in Acts 17, you know, when Paul, I, a lot of what I do, sharing on the circuit, I guess, in the community, and then with individuals, I tend to always start in Acts chapter 17 because it, it kind of explains a lot of questions that people have. Is there a God? It Why really does. Here? Where did the languages come from? You know, Paul ran up on this group of people, and they were – Basically, worshiping an altar that said to an unknown God. And they were the brains of the day. Yeah. And they were going through all the different philosophies about life after death. And so he comes up there in Acts 17, 24, and he's like, the God who made the world and everything in it is he's Lord of heaven and earth. So he, he makes that statement right off the bat, which is basically the decision. If Genesis 1, 1 is true, then... This whole thing is true. The whole, you know, you go through the birthplace of hunting, the languages, you know, first, I guess, the fall of man. But then you get to what we said on who Jesus is as God in the flesh. And then when you get to Acts to the Revelation, you have this response of the people while we're waiting on Jesus to come back. But he makes this statement then in Acts 17, 25, he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. He gives all men life, breath, and everything else. But then this next statement, which is what we're talking about today, from one man, he made every nation of men. Because a lot of people, they're looking at all the different nations. They're hearing all the different languages. They're like, how could this come from one place? And instead of questioning that, because we're talking about a God who makes man from dust, a woman from a rib, planets, galaxies, Look, if he wants to confuse our language, he did it, and it would. And it's so amazing that I think only, only an intelligent being could pull that off. How, how in the evolution process and the DNA is that going to happen in that much detail? What department in salt water <laughs> fixed it so that they came up with seven thousand dialects? This is water, salt water. Seaweed. You say, how in the world did I knew they you were did... say that? Because it is amazing. They don't they don't pay attention to the details. I'm like, if you're gonna believe that all this came from nothing, look at the, just the details in languages. I'm telling it you, it had to come from something intelligent, not from just some floating gaseous mist that had nothing the language is too too detailed so here listen to this here's here's the way they view it <clears throat> it's an ancient question why so many languages uh, how, how, what kind of question it's, what? A, it's an ancient question ancient that almost means... as old as humanity itself mm. explanations for why people speak so many languages are common in myths from cultures around the world. The story of the Tower of Babel in the Bible is one well-known myth. Yeah. And there's many others. Yeah. So, so let, but so here's the key. Let me read this. The truth is we don't have an easy answer for why people speak so many languages. Probably because there isn't one. <laughs> so so in other words, well, it just burns me it up. You're calling my belief a, a myth, myth, but you don't know. You don't know. <laughs> and there is no easy explanation. It's just so complicated that one day we'll figure well, it out. Well, let me finish reading this so based on what you said. So from one man, he made every nation of men. So here comes all your languages. That they should live on the whole earth, which is what he said. Scatter abroad. Yep. I'm going to bring you together 2,000 years you know, ago, which then was 
I guess four about four thousand years four thousand yep. years yep. later in the future, yep. and we know it happened just based on time and he, and our recording here. But I love this because then he said, "Well, God did this. Did what? The Tower of Babel, the bringing them together in Acts two through Jesus after Jesus died, you know, which saved them, was resurrected. God did this so that men would seek Him, perhaps reach out for Him and find Him." though he is not far from each one of us. And that's why I said I think he scattered us all so he could bring us all together at the foot of the cross, which is really the universal language, which is love. Everyone understands good and evil and how love interacts with those two things. And think about it, they all They all understand it. Think about it. I don't know of any part of the world that the story of Jesus has not reached. I think right. uh, it's reached worldwide. Because think about it. No matter what language you speak, you understand good and evil, and you understand love. Yep. Just yep. think about that. Yep. Well, what Jesus did on a cross was basically good tri- triumphing over evil because he loved you. And the resurrection, it, that's appealing because no matter what anybody delusionally thinks, they're going to die. That is correct. And they're like, I'm not worried about Worldwide. It. Look, people, I, it gets me, you know, even in the atheistic world, because people are like, I'm not worried about it. Well, until they're fixed to die. <laughs> then they're worried about it. They're or, like, or, well. Or somebody you care about. There's, well, a lot well, of right. money, yeah. there's a lot of money being spent on health care for people to say, I'm not worried about dying. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's the number one issue. Yep. All right, so that's the perfect segue uh, to wrap up today, because what you just talked about, Jay, is where we're going to go next. Once we, we now the language is people are scattered, and all of a sudden the Bible is going to take a turn when we get to Genesis 12 and start telling the story of exactly how we got to Jesus. But a lot has to happen. And there's a man named Abraham or Abram first yeah. that we're going to talk about because that's where the first promises come in that start pouring toward Jesus, which is really going to open up a lot of interesting stuff. It's obvious the Bible is this love story that Jace just mentioned with God and humanity. So we're going to start putting those pieces together uh, along Abraham and some others next time. So we're glad you were here. Um, man, hope you're telling others about the podcast. We're getting great feedback. I uh, hope it's blessing your life. Um, we'll see you next time. Immortality is riding on this. So we're so glad you guys were with us today. You can subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or YouTube or Facebook. And be sure and rate us on iTunes so that other people can know about the podcast.